Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. We've got Dan Weber on the line. We've got Keely Yor in studio. They're out each and every practice talking about what's going on with this USC Trojan team. Counting down to the 2019 football season. Less than two weeks away from week zero, you get to see Arizona play. In week zero, which is nuts. So less than two weeks from actual college football. Of course, USC starts the season uh, August 31st against Fresno State. And we're going to talk about the first scrimmage that USC had, the latest practice, getting ready for the fall showcase that's coming up this weekend. We're actually going to we'll have to talk to Dan about this. They are going to honor some of the uh, anniversary teams there. So that's cool. That's a good development. But we're going to talk about all that. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can send us an email about anything and we will do our best to talk about it here on the podcast. Or if you'd rather call us or send us a text, you can do that at the number of 424-254-9141. I think we got one voicemail today, some texts, lots of emails uh, to talk about. First, we're going to say hello to Keely. You're in studio. Hello, Keely. <laughs> hello. What? How are you doing? I'm all right, besides saying your name. But, yeah, uh, it happens. It's not the most, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a strange name, but I should, I've said it about a million times. I should True. say it correctly at this point. Um, and we got Dan Weber on the line. We're, uh, we're, uh, we were playing with the line a little bit. Hopefully it sounds good. Dan, how are you? Doing good. Yeah, it does sound better. So we'll, we'll go with this. Uh, yeah, I think the only other Keeley, famous Keeley was, uh, uh, Louis Prima and Keeley Smith, a famous lounge act in, uh, in Las Vegas. She was a singer. Oh. Yep. Did you have any aspirations to be a lounge singer in Vegas, Keely? No, I did not, um, unfortunately. Follow in the you footsteps. <laughs> yeah, you're good with the mic, so uh, I think you're good. I haven't debuted my singing voice, and that's for a reason. It's not good. Yeah, my I got no singing voice either, but I'd love to be able to sing. I'm a ham. I'd like to get up on stage, but I just can't <laughs> sing. So I wish, I wish I could, uh, but I could not. Uh, all right, before we jump into, you know, talking about the team, talking about practices, maybe not so many practices and pads, and some of the fans are getting a little flippy out about that. But we'll talk about all that with Dan and Keeley. Uh, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been very, very good to us. I just went there, made a little run this morning. Uh, I'm just addicted to the uh, my morning, the uh, the banana and strawberry yogurt with the almond butter granola. And I cut up a banana. I get a Trader Joe's and mix that all in there together. And uh, that's my fun uh, breakfast. I, I love that. Um, my wife's been getting some of the, uh, it's pasta, but there's like cauliflower pasta and different kind of squash things you can make pasta out. She's been doing some different kind of variations of that, but I always buy the sauce there. And uh, the frozen meatballs are very good. I add that to anything that, you know, I love meat. Meatballs are like one of my favorite foods. So you get the frozen meatballs, you can heat those up and anything you're doing. So make sure you go check out Trader Joe's. It's tailgate season coming up. You want to go pick something up before the uh, showcase? Go over to the brand new Trader Joe's next to USC at the University Village, the USC Village, and check it out. It's pretty awesome. If you went to school there, you'll be like, man, I wish we had something like this when I was in school. Even Keely says that. Yeah, I'm really bitter. We used to go to the Culver City Target. And now there's a Target on campus. It's, yeah. I'm very bitter. There's a Target. There's the Trader Joe's. There's so much yes. nicer stuff yes. over there. Uh, but cool stuff. But yeah, just thank Trader Joe's again for their uh, sponsorship of the podcast. And uh, yeah, maybe we should talk about the scrimmage a little bit. Um, Dan, any, you know, I know you guys had instant analysis up and everything. Um, you know, you had some time to digest, talk to Clay Helton after the scrimmage to maybe get an idea of what the film looked like for the, the run game. Cause it seems like the passing game was working, but a little harder to tell on the run game, but maybe give a, a quick rundown for the listeners of uh, what you saw from Saturday's full pad scrimmage. Yeah, I think the run game, uh, 
kind of thing you can't really ask about uh, you know, in the kind of detail you'd like right afterwards because that's when legitimately the coach speak where they said, I've got to see the film. That's correct. you got to see the film. Clay said they were close to getting it done. No missed assignments, uh, which it didn't look like they were. It obviously looked like they uh, held up pretty well in pass protection. Uh, they didn't have Stephen Carr, uh, I mean, just barely. Uh, Clay said they're going to integrate him into and accelerate his return uh, starting today. Uh, and they didn't have, you know, Vavai Malapai. So you're basically down to uh, Marquis uh, Step and uh, Quincy Jounty, uh, walk on 210 pounder from Bakersfield, who they really like, and he, he does a really good job. And there were, you know, a few times where it looked like maybe, and then somebody punched the ball. They got a hand on the ball or something would always seem to happen. Uh, but that's the, I think the thing you've really got to walk, you know, watch. Uh, in terms of the offensive line, Clay said that the most development he's seen are the basically three backups. Uh, and that gives you one at each position, Justin Dudich at center and, uh, Liam Jimmins now a guard. And, and we've got to ask him how big he is. He's just gotten so much bigger. And then, um, Drew Richmond, who, has stepped in uh, on the left side, not the right side where he played at Tennessee, uh, for Austin Jackson, who's come back I think, much stronger and faster. I thought, you know, the, I'm thinking he's he's back farther and faster than we thought he would be after the bone marrow donation last month. Uh, so, so that gives them like eight guys that they feel pretty good about, and it gives them a backup at every position, center, guard, tackle, and. And not so much, maybe I should rephrase that. It gives them competition at each position, which they didn't have last year. And I'm guessing if we said that there have been how many hundred snaps in, um, in fall camp, there's been one obvious, uh, bad snap. And even that one, Jack Sears was able to kind of, you know, pull it down and, and make a play. So, you know, big, you know, big improvement there. Pretty good job pass blocking uh no you know really bad missed assignments and now they've got to figure out how to you know wedge out and run and, and you know get the run going i do think the the defense in front's playing really well i mean i just think uh jay Tufelli is such a physical uh you know presence and drake you know jackson and um and uh christian rector and then uh paleo now teote and john houston and then even with the loss of Jordan Iacefa, I think Raylan, you know, go for it. The freshman has stepped in and, uh, he's looked like he's kind of ready to play. And, and Kanaima Uga, uh, so, you know, they're doing some of the things they, they, they said they would really try to do in terms of developing depth, depth and getting athletes ready to play. And it looks like they've done, um, uh, they've done that. I know, you know, people, one of the problems when you scrimmage yourself is if they throw the ball well, everybody says, oh, my God, the defensive backs are terrible. Or if you don't, you know, it's just, you know, that, that glass half full or is that glass half empty? And uh, as a result of last year, there are a lot of people who are going to keep saying that that glass is half empty. I don't think it's that, you know, half empty, but, you know, I'm the uh, uh, eternal optimist with this kind of talent. Um, you got to think USC's got a chance. I don't know if you guys saw the, who was it? Um, a website. I'm trying to think of their name. Uh, they did all the, uh, ratio of four to five stars on a roster to the two to three stars on the roster. And USC was six in the country this year. Okay. So, uh, you got the Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Florida State, surprisingly, number four. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, LSU, excuse me, number four. Florida State, like 61%, and USC was 60%. So, uh, at, at, uh, a tie for number six. So, you know, and the other, the best in the Pac-12 was Washington at 54%. You know, like, that's like number 13 in the country. Notre Dame is number 11 in the country. So USC still has a talent advantage. Uh, and I, I tried to get Clay to talk about this the other day. I said, would you like to re-rank uh, uh, your freshman class or your entering class class that he doesn't get into the star thing and all that? But if you look at the USC class now, uh, 
with a, maybe seven guys that, that could get on the field, eight if somehow Brew McCoy could. Uh, that's a lot of uh, production out of one, uh, you know, freshman class. And the original ranking was 20th, and then you get Brew McCoy back and you get Chris Steele back. But, uh, you know, with Veneer uh, McLean and, uh, and Drake London and the possibility of Kyle Ford, you know, coming online, and that there's, this is a freshman class. It, it's going to be really looks like really productive and uh, and so yes he's got the talent I don't think there's any disputing that but uh, anyway that's my my long rant on uh, on where they are and you know what Saturday showed us a little bit of yeah talent's definitely there um, what's it gonna what's it gonna turn into it's hard to say what what, what are you Keely? any uh, takeaways from the scrimmage or what you learned yes, uh, when Monday at practice that we're recording this on a Tuesday? I mean, pretty much what Dan said. Um, I thought the scrimmage was a little raw, and you could see that just from the standpoint of penalties. You know, discipline was a key for Clay in spring, and I thought you saw that for the most part in spring, but in this first scrimmage, I counted at least 10 penalties, six of which were false starts, so that's something that definitely needs to get cleaned up, and, and Clay said as much on Monday. Um, as far as the quarterback competition... I will say, can, I, can I say something about the penalty? If you're both teams, though, you kind of have to have the number of penalties. So, because, you, you know, you're getting both penalties and, and you're, you're actually running more plays in a regular game. So I think, you know, if that were a regular game, we're maybe talking about five or six penalties because a number of those were on the, uh, on, on freshmen that hadn't, you know, hadn't been on the field yet much. So, uh, so I think there's a way you could say, they, yeah, they definitely got to clean it up. There were some things because they haven't been doing that in practice. But uh, in terms of... I also think, well, they haven't been getting, you know, they had a full, you know, they had officiating crews and they haven't been throwing those flags. Uh, so that, that obviously with the false spark starts that we haven't seen, but, uh, but they were averaging almost 10 penalties a game and they were only half the game, USC. So Saturday, they were the whole game, both teams. So if you have it or if you give them six or whatever, that's still significantly below what they were, com- you know, committing last year in game. But, again, there were too many. Sure, but if, if they're doing well in normal practice and not having flags, and then once you go full game speed and the flags are getting flown, I don't know if that's a good sign or not. You know, I think you want that consistency no matter what the pace of play is. But, anyway, yeah, they need to clean that up. Um, as far as the quarterback battle goes, um, Clay Heldon said on Monday after watching the tape, you know, he'd wish that at some point a quarterback starts to separate themselves. Um, and I, I would agree. I think, you know, you, you at this point have to give it to JT Daniels just because the eye test, I think it looks the best with JT Daniels at the helm and also factor in his 11 starts. I think that. Well, can I, let me react to that. Cause sure, I you, sure, you Dan. made a really good, you made a really good point about, I think he probably has, but if you want to keep the competitiveness going, um, because when Clay talked about quarterbacks, he ended up talking about JT and how much better he is at seeing pressure, how much better he is getting the ball out uh, before pressure gets to him and all of that, which was, you know, one of the key elements of, of last year. So I just think, I think there's kind of a myth that they want to keep the competition going. And the other quarterbacks are playing pretty well. Uh, so that's a good thing. But I'm not sure. When Clay says he hasn't separated himself, I'm not sure Clay completely believes that. But that's just my thing. What do you think, Keely? Do you think he believes that or not? Well, I I would say just in the fact that Clay's talking about JT, it was because he was asked specifically about how JT has progressed. So I think that's just why he only talked about JT. But, you know, I I think they know more than they let on for sure. Um, I, I know Gerard was telling us he heard from a coach that part of the reason why they put JT with uh, the twos and the threes is because they don't want JT to get comfortable with the ones. They want to keep him on his toes. So I do think there is some separation. And Graham Harrell said as much. He said that when it gets to practice 10, you'd like to narrow it down to at least two guys. And we're already there. Today's I think today's practice 10. So I think, of course, they have a, a idea at this point. But I think to make it more known – <laughs> at this point would be yeah. to the general public would be good. I mean, ASU just named their starter other teams, Florida as well. So I think getting 
We learned last year from the wide receivers themselves, the faster you name a quarterback, the easier it is for everyone yeah. else, everyone involved. And so I don't, I still think that's the case. And whether or not Clay Helton wants to do that publicly or not, I think it just would help if they start to narrow well, it think, down. I think the receivers know. I think it's just a matter of reps. I think last year they knew too, but they didn't have a chance to have as many reps. The big advantage this year is everybody's getting more reps. There are way more reps to be had, which is showing through on the, uh, on the deep ball accuracy, which is so much better than last year. And it's for all four quarterbacks. It's amazing, uh, uh how much better they've gotten there. So, you know, a lot of good things have happened in, in terms of the quarterback development, but, uh, but I'm not sure that the, the comp, you know, the failure to separate or the, the myth of competition might, might not be exactly true. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And it, you know, it's one of those things you feel like, is it the keeping up the what quote unquote myth of competition versus not wanting to make, you know, ruffle any feathers? I mean, we saw what happened in Miami. Uh, Tate Martell is like, did you show up for practice the next day? I mean, you, you make a decision like that, it's going to, there's going to be repercussions. And it's like, you can't avoid it. There's only one quarterback. Uh, Jaden Daniels wins the job at ASU. It's pretty early on for him. You know, he was there in the spring. Uh, you know, he was uh, the highest rated uh, dual threat quarterback on the board. ASU gets him and they make him the starting quarterback. Not easy, uh, but it gives this young quarterback a chance to work with everybody. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like you kind of want to, if you know, just make the call. And if, if you're not making the call, you're not making it public. It doesn't look like they're, it, it's not looking like they're doing it where it's not public, but they're not doing it in practice either. Like it's, it's still a competition in practice. They're all still rotating. I don't want my starting quarterback throwing to walk-ons. Like I just don't want At that At a certain happening. point, yeah. Yeah. Like, so I guess you'll give them the grace period of this week. And then after that, not that we can see practice anymore, but. <laughs> After that, I kind of move on. But it's a tough choice. You have to do these things, and other programs are doing it. You know. Well, the irony is that on Twitter, half of my mentions think is mad at Helton for taking too long to make a decision, and the other half is mad because apparently Clay has already made a decision that JT's the starter and is just not giving Jack Sears enough of a chance. So people can't make up their mind. People like being mad on Twitter. It's true. They they it's do. A- they're mad, mad online. I like being snarky on Twitter. Some people just like to you be do. outraged and mad. You True. Know? Like, you do. Seems like, like a lot of energy, but, you know? I mean, I, I think on Monday, JT got the first two starts. The first two times they were 11 on 11 with JT. Uh, I think to, you know, elaborate on what, what Gerard heard and what Keeley was talking about, uh, in terms of them not wanting him to be too comfortable, I think the other part of that is if he's in there with uh, third team, uh, you know, guys and walk-ons, it's up to JT to get them going, to get them together. It's that kind of uh, outreach, that kind of leadership that I think they're trying to get him to really buy into, and where it has to be about the other ten guys. JT's kind of this, you know, quarterback savant, cerebral guy who takes all the notes and keeps, you know, his head is full of what everybody's responsibilities are. And I think they want him involved with the rest of the guys. So if he's out there, you know, with a group of, of, of non-starters, now it's up to you, JT. Get these guys organized, get them together, get them going. So I do think that actually, I think there's some method to what might be a little madness. I guess at this point, it's when do you make that call? You know, do you make it before Saturday or do you set Saturday up so that it's obvious coming out of Saturday that JT's the guy? I think if you don't set it up right and somebody else has, you know, a couple of terrific throws and this and that and the other thing, you may be leaning to going one way and then you've got the whole fan base saying like they have been in the entire off season that, okay, he's not the guy, it's somebody else. Uh, so I think it's, you know, it's dangerous to, if you think you know, then you got to go, I think, and just do it. If you think you know, you got to go. That's that's the, a Dan calling, column like coming soon. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Nice. Um, <laughs> 
if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, don't go there. There's a, there's a UC, there's a UC reference everywhere you look. Yeah. By the way, talking about UC references, I tweeted it out. And if you haven't seen it, um, SI.com, uh, to celebrate the 150th anniversary of college football this year, they put out, uh, a site with the 150 greatest pictures in college football history. And amazingly, 15 of those are from USC games. It's uh, so 10%. Spe- yeah. yeah, spectacular stuff. And so uh, I would recommend that highly. The, the 150 greatest uh, photos from college, and that's what SI did so beautifully, where there, uh, there are photos, mostly color photos, but not all the older ones, obviously, are not. But, uh, but check them out. Uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of neat to see that many, uh, I'm not sure that anybody else has, has any more Notre Dame maybe in there, but, uh, impressive stuff, uh, for USC fans. All right, so we're going to get in some questions here in a minute. Just want to let people know, today is Tuesday. We'll be, all of us, heading out to USC football practice uh, after we record this podcast. And then, of course, this weekend on Saturday, August 17th, will be the USC football fall showcase in the Coliseum. Um, so, essentially starts at uh, 4.30, but really, parking lots will open at 1 p.m., um, so at, at one thirty, gate one at the peristyle end, that will be open to the public. Uh, so everyone can assemble there and the players are going to have an autograph session. Uh, also at one thirty to three traveler is going to be over at the peristyle. So you can meet traveler and get pictures and stuff with him. Uh, they're going to let us in at two o'clock, uh, all the media people and the team will also arrive at the peristyle at two o'clock. For about an hour, 2.15 to 3.15, players are going to be signing autographs there. So if you want to get autographs from your favorite players, uh, or, you know, you want Keeley's autograph or something, you can do that too. I don't think she'll be in the lineup. but No. Uh, but if you fight her around, just always, you know, uh, get her, you can get her autograph. Uh, me and Dan, whatever, we do that sometimes. It's pretty funny. Uh, you probably don't want that. But just in case. Um, the uh, At 2.30 p.m., gates 4 and 7 on the south side will be open to the public. Uh, for uh, if if you want to go in for the scrimmage or a tour of the Coliseum, uh, there's going to be Scholarship Club Tower public guided tours from 2.30 to 6. Also, all the concession stands will be open from that time in the Heritage Concourse. Uh, they will recognize the USC anniversary team, something they used to do in Salute to Troy from 1969. Uh, that's the 50th anniversary, 1994. Uh, 25th anniversary, and then the 10th anniversary, which I don't think they've done that as much, the 2009 team. Uh, 4.15, the team's going to warm up, and then from 4.30 to 6.30 will be the scrimmage. If you are a season ticket holder, you get free tickets, one per season ticket. Um, and if you have students, uh, if you're a student with an ID or a kid under two, those are free also. If not, you can purchase your tickets in advance, usctrojans.com slash tickets. Uh, for 10 bucks, or if you're going to go that day and buy them at the gate one ticket office, they'll be 15 bucks. So certainly worth your while to, uh, buy ahead of time. If you want to go, all the seating will be on the South side and it's not reserved. So, um, if you have season tickets and you're on the North side, you could visit your seats from five 30 to six 30. So you can kind of check out what the views would be like for your seats. Um, so I think that's all the information out there. If you, uh, if you're interested in going to the fall showcase, it will be the last open practice, guys. Like that's the last the time we're going to watch. Season. Yeah, no more. We won't be able to watch any more practices after that. Well, uh, we might not be the only ones watching. I'm just intrigued by the thought that two weeks before the season, you're going to have a big public open scrimmage that uh, that any person connected with any team in the early part of the UFC schedule, like the first two weeks could be there and enjoy watching what this new look USC offense is going to be like. Will, it, will they go vanilla and just say, you know, we're not showing you anything? Then the fans aren't going to be very happy. Will they show you everything and have, you know, people, fans, just plain old boosters, maybe people, you know, connected in some way or another to people you're going to play right away watching? I don't know. It's really, 
you just don't see that much where you're inviting anybody in the world to come in and watch you uh, get ready this close to the season, especially with the new offense. Yeah, I don't know. Pete Carroll never cared. He'd let everyone come in and walk and, and you know check it out. He didn't mind. <laughs> True. It'll be interesting for sure. It'll yeah. be weird making that the last practice we see all the way through. Yeah. It's going to be an adjustment for sure. We'll watch some stretching and, and fun stuff like that. and then. But we can you know. only film as the media the first 15 minutes of practice, even though it's open to the public. Yeah, they did this for the spring game, too. You know, sometimes they would let us back in the day. You could film the whole thing and put up highlights like it was a game, but they're not doing that either. So, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I, I would think you might be able, though, to sit in the crowd if you had a cell phone and still catch a lot of it if you really wanted to. I don't know. Sometimes they, they monitor that. I know at practice, if, you, if you have a right. phone out, yeah. they totally get on you if you're not part of the media. But I know. So. But they're help, hoping for, you know, 10, 15,000 people. So that'll be interesting to yeah. see uh, how how it all works. I mean, really, it's this is unusual. Teams don't do this. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back and uh, answer your questions here on the Peristyle Podcast. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Keely, what do we got for, uh, I think we got a lot of questions so far. We do. We have an email from John in Oakland who says, Coach Helton does not take his team on pregame walkthroughs in opposing team stadiums when on the road. However, the Friday before last Saturday's scrimmage, he did take the team to the new renovated Coliseum. He said it was to get them comfortable with the new look and lights for the night games, and he will do it again on the Friday before the August 17th showcase. At the next post-practice media scrum with Coach Helton, please ask him, why he's against stadium walkthroughs on road games. Regards, John in Oakland, fight on. Man, John, I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> what a good, what a good question! Holy criminy! Yeah, terrific. Thank you. That was so. Uh, that was a tradition that kind of Lane Kiffin stopped. Right? Was it Lane that stopped right. doing it? Lane stopped it. Lane said, "I have been an NFL coach for like a minute and a half." <laughs> And we didn't do that in the NFL, so I'm not doing it. Plus, I think they were intimidated because Pete's walkthroughs were so well handled, so much fun, so, you know, just and, – and I think both Lane and Sark just thought, we can't do that. That's just – plus, I think uh, at that point, compliance stepped in and said, you know, it's going to be a lot harder for us to keep track of who's there we have to keep track of who's there on the walkthroughs on the road. And that'll be a lot of work. And that'll take manpower. Unless you don't do it. Okay? Well, are those a good reason? No. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. I mean, like if you're at Oregon State, for example, they don't even have gates. They don't even have locks on your gate. I mean, how can you possibly know who's watching your walkthrough? Well, you can't. And, and you know, that's not USC's fault. Yeah, it probably shouldn't keep you from doing a walkthrough, which would really be beneficial. But, uh, you know, there we go. I mean, I, I'm just, you know, my, my big one is the fact that they don't do it at Notre Dame. You just have to do it at Notre Dame. It's, yeah. it's such a th- you do not want half your team or more this year who've never been there before walk out and get hit with all that stuff at Notre Dame Stadium. You need to go there on Friday. You really need to do that. And, um, yeah, it's more work and more phone calls, more buses, more to do it. It's, it's really worthwhile. I can't say it enough. It, it really, really matters. And it really mattered for USC, uh, over the years. And, uh, you just have to figure out how to do it right, but, but you got to do it. But what a great question by, uh, John in Oakland. I mean, holy primary. If you got to get used to the Coliseum and you think that's really worthwhile doing, uh, wow. How yeah. much more on the road? My guess, Dan, is just because this is the way things work. Um, when Lane stopped doing them, then that's just stopped happening. And so someone would have to come in and say, like Sark would have had to go, you know what? We used to do these uh, walkthroughs with Pete. I want to bring that back. Uh, but he didn't know. Clay Helton wasn't around for Pete Carroll stuff, so he didn't know that was going on. 
it might just be, well, that's the way we've been doing it. So that's that's why we keep doing it. That, that, that would be my guess. Someone would have to talk him into, you know what? These were really beneficial 15 years ago. Uh, maybe you should jump in and and do them again. So I, I don't know. Maybe someone's brought that up to him before and they just like, no, there's no budget or whatever. But I feel it's just like inertia. It's just like, well, someone stopped doing it. So we're going to stop doing it forever. And a lot of people would have to do a lot of things. Uh, it would put... Uh, extra uh, requirements on, on compliance. It would put extra requirements on U.S. security person uh, for foot. Oh, wait, they don't have one anymore. Ah, okay. So I guess, <laughs> how would they do that? I don't know. I mean, are, are, you know, is, uh, is uh, Clay going to have a couple of the uh, U.S., uh, what do they call them, um, Department of Public Security guys? walking side by side like they do in the SEC, you know, with their state troopers. And here comes uh, USC with the, uh, is it Department of Public Public Security? What do they call them, Keely, at USC? DPS, yeah. Department of Public Safety, Security. Safety, I think, yeah. Public Safety, okay. So so that would be cool, wouldn't it, to have a couple of those guys uh, elbow to elbow with Clay going out to do the handshake and all that, just like the SEC. (laughs) <laughs> nice. We have an email from Anonymous who says, Hello, USCFootball.com. Sorry, had to do that. <laughs> he says, I just read Chris Trevino's article on Drake Jackson, and I like that Coach K is dialing in younger players and saying they are talented and that they will play. We have wasted so much talent by not rotating and not playing younger players. Guys like Palaie and Hufunga last year, and in prior years, uh, Jamel Cook, who's gone, Levi Jones, who's gone, and Alawale Batiku, who's also gone. It seems like it sounds like a better situation for the younger players. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. I think. It, I mean, I think they're trying to do that simplified and uh, and communicating and trusting and, and all of that. I mean, you have gotta trust. You get a guy like Drake Jackson, gotta be on the field. Pala EA was such a missed opportunity last year, uh, but uh, I think we're seeing more of it. I think. They know they have to do it. I know they've said before they would, and they probably they didn't. Uh, I don't think they've got any choice this year. I think that it is happening more. It's, it's, you know, they can't run a secondary out if it doesn't happen. So uh, the young guys, they got to get them on the field and, uh, and and let their talent, you know, coach their talent up and trust trust their talent, trust their. You know they're working hard. It's not like last year, and um, and uh, just give them you know everything that they can learn to do, and and they're certainly communicate. But that was always one of Clancy's big uh, big items is they got to communicate. They got to talk to one another. They're talking. I mean they really are talking. And so uh, you know I think they've got a chance. I think the talent is clearly there. You know, but you watch a guy like Tanai Maruga. Uh, with six tackles the other day, it just, you know, looked like a dominant player. And you think, kind of, where's he been? Like, where, where was he last year? And there are a number of guys that you can ask that question about. And it's, it's hard to know where they were. We have a email from Joan who says, I think she's talking about the, the coaches in general. She says, what I hear, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the defense isn't so wishy-washy with saying that these guys are great. But the offense, I'm not hearing those accolades. I'm not hearing this guy's on the field. He's great. He's got to be in there. What do you attribute that to? Is it a hangover from last year? Is it meddling? I don't know, but it makes me nervous. This is But this is what I deduce from what I'm hearing from you guys. Thanks for all that you do, and thank you, Trader Joe's. Fight on, Joan. Well, I don't, and I think we we said all the quarterbacks uh, Saturday, uh, except for maybe Keaton, really played well. Uh, I think we said that Amon Ra looked like an All-American. I mean, I just think uh, we said Velas Jones is doing things you've always wanted him to be able to do with his speed, but he's finishing plays and making plays and catching the deep ball under pressure and 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 just getting where he has to get. And uh, so I think you know, I think. I think Marquis Stepp had a lot of good things to say. We haven't seen Stephen Carr really get turned loose, and Valai Malachi, you know, has been hurt. So we're we're still waiting on those guys. But I I don't know that there's not a wide receiver we haven't you know said good things about this year. So I think you know at the skill positions had a lot of good things to say. At those five offensive linemen, uh, you know, we didn't get to see the film 
we didn't really have anything that we could even look at on film that much until Saturday. So I think, you know, I think it, it, it develops. It takes, it takes a little time, uh, to be able to, to go past the skill people, but I think the skill people have been, uh, honestly, Armin Ra looked so good Saturday. I mean, and, and yesterday, uh, he just, he's playing like you, I mean, he obviously had a good freshman year, 60 catches and, and, and all the things that he did, but, I think he's, 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 he stepped it up uh, a level. Michael Pittman is there every single day. Uh, Tyler Vaughn, uh, we saw Devin Williams, uh, as doing some things that they always expected he would be able to do. So, so I think, I think there's pretty much good to be said about that, about the offensive uh, team right now. It's funny. I, I, Vailis Jones just like is not in my mind all the time. There's so many guys you're like, right. oh yeah, he's super fast too. And he's like playing way better. Um, there's a lot, yeah, Joe, and there's a lot of, uh, skill guys. You're going to, there's going to be dudes making plays in different games. Like, you know, someone, if you remember like Deontay Burnett a few years back had like, he led the team in receiving, I think against Cal one day. And then you didn't see him again the next time. Like there's stuff like that. Like people just pop out of nowhere. There's going to be names. Now, hopefully they're going to be contributing consistently and not just like play them one game and don't play them the next. But I think you're going to see more names and people pop up. That maybe Avalis Jones just has a huge game. He had 125 yards receiving, a couple of touchdowns or something. Um, and you want him to make sure, like maybe the next day it's a slower day, but it's like the next game is like a couple catches or whatever, but it's not big to nothing. I think you're going to see a lot of that because there's going to spread the ball around and there's a lot of guys that can make plays. It might be Drake London catches like two red zone touchdowns one time or something. Like there's just crazy stuff that can happen because there's so many good skill players. Well, another one that stepped up and we didn't know if he was going to get back in fall camp is John Jackson, who uh, made a couple of plays and, and, you know, swung for a touchdown and made a cut and certainly looks like he's past that, uh, you know, hamstring pull, which is, is pretty amazing. Uh, but, uh, but I think they're going to take what the uh, defense gives them. So I think you can go in with a, you know, like a predetermined idea who's going to, who's going to dominate because it looks like the ball is for the most part going to, wherever somebody gives you something. And like yesterday with, with Clancy wanted to bring pressure and they did a pretty good job with, uh, with blitzes from, uh, Talano, Hufanga and Greg Johnson, but that left them one-on-one, uh, a good bet. And the USC offense was able to take advantage of that with the deep throws. That didn't happen last year. From what I understand, JT basically never was able to audible or take something that he saw at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and, and I think they're really encouraged to do that this year. And, and for example, if somebody singles up on, uh, on, uh, Vilas on the outside, or if they think they're going to have safety help on top, ever top, and, uh, they don't get it, he's going to try to beat them to the flag at the other end of, you know, as far as you can throw it. And, um, and to this point, the, uh, protection's been holding up. So, you know, I think, uh, I don't know that you're going to be able to predict where that play is going to come from. Is it going to be Manir McLean, who Clay was just raving about yesterday in terms of his athleticism, the fact that, you know, the way he can run at his size um, and how they, you know, kind of took a chance on him. He wasn't the highest rated guy by far, but he's another, another guy who, if they re-rank this recruiting class, would certainly come in with a higher ranking did last year yeah. just based on performance he's uh been awfully special yeah he's been really good uh we got a voicemail question for you dan let me play it and get your thoughts here you go hey guys this question's for dan keely and ryan and anyways i was just wondering if there's one thing that this usc football team had to do in order to make you feel more confident about the season what that would be anyways fight on jason longhorn country uh, I, I don't think there's any question. If they commit to being the toughest team or tougher team on the field, if they say no one is going to play with more toughness, mental and physical, than we uh, bring to the game, they'll win. They, they're going to win. I mean, it's just that simple. If they're the tougher, if you walk away from the Stanford game or the Utah game or the Washington game or the Notre Dame game and said, "Man," 
that USC those guys were tough. I mean, that's the way it was. I mean, people can poo poo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how. That's no. If you got if this USC team shows up and they play tougher, and again, that's mental discipline and physical toughness, they they're going to be fine, and you will be very. And that's one of the reasons you were so confident with that. You know, with that run USC had with T. Carroll, they couldn't wait to go to visiting stadiums and show them we're the tougher team. I mean, I still, you know, the, the Auburn game in uh, 2003 when Auburn practiced the, you know, the 85,000 fans practiced the patented uh, uh, trademark uh, phrase that their uh, uh, longtime uh, uh, play-by-play guy who had just died and they were dedicating the game to him and they his signature call was, Touchdown Auburn, and they had half the stadium cheer. They said every touchdown, you, this side of the stadium is going to cheer touchdown, and this side of the stadium is going to cheer Auburn. And they actually practiced it before USC had gotten off the field in the pregame. And what did USC do? <laughs> they shut them out. They said, we're not going to let you have a touchdown. That's the kind of team USC has to have, the kind of team that says, this is cool. We're going to be the tougher team. I think Auburn got past the 50-yard line once, and they had a team of like eight or nine guys that played in the NFL, and most of them on offense. Um, and so that that kind of uh, attitude, and yeah, is that consistent? It's pretty consistent with T. Carroll. Uh, hasn't been so consistent with the coaches since then. But uh, if that team shows up, I think USC fans are going to feel pretty good. Yeah, I think it's a great way to put it. If you walk away from a game going, that's a tough USC team, which you haven't been able to do that for quite a while. You didn't go walk out of the Cotton Bowl, man. Man, USC played them tough. Like there was no, no. There yeah. was like it was the exact opposite. Yeah. If you could well, if you lose to Stanford and you like USC played them tough, I think you can be optimistic even with a loss there. So um you gotta like your chances. But they gotta play tough. I think that's a great way to put it, Dan. Are you going to stick with that? Are you, is that your answer, Ryan? I, oh, I guess he wants one from he all said, of us. He said all three of our names. I think Dan's were so good. I just, I'm just i going with that. I'm standing pat. What do you got, Keely? Yeah, I was going to maybe have a cough-out answer and say Dan, too. <laughs> but if I want to go different, I think the biggest areas of concern for me are the defensive backs, the corners, and uh, the offensive line. You know, it's, it's hard at this point to really see, uh, get a feel for the offensive line and how they're doing, especially when you have Austin Jackson coming in and out. But just seeing the consistency from them, and if they play tough too, if they're a mean front, you know that can that can do some good things for this yes. offense. Um, and then just the the corners, I think they've made some growth from spring. Now I don't know if that was a low bar for me, and that's why they've made growth. But I think they still have a lot of growing to do. Going against USC's receivers definitely helps that that practice. But yeah. those are just two concerns for me. That if if that gets shored up. In the beginning of the season, I think that would make me more confident. See, I feel better about the defensive backs now than I did a couple of weeks ago because, like, all the dudes that were injured are back, you know. And, yeah. Um, you know, some of the young guys look good and just seem like, oh, they're deep. And, you know, you got Hufunga and Polamau and Chase Williams and, you know, Elijah Griffin looks really good. You got Chris Steele in there now, ITS and Greg Johnson. Like, yeah, you know, I feel pretty good about all those guys, even though you're a true freshman and Chris Steele, but like, I think it's built up better than what I, it could have been. Well, Funga didn't really recover from that surgery and two surgeries for Elijah Griffin. Yeah. He's just not the same. And like, he's had five interceptions in the first five practices. So true. I, I will say though, they have been a little coy with Hufunga. They've kind of been taking him out yeah, and, and, true. and, and now they're, they're cross training Chase Williams, which I think is a smart idea. But, you know, Hufunga was like, yeah, I'll be in there full pads tackling. And they kind of, they took him out for the scrimmage and yeah. put him in when they went to like thud, basically no tackling. So it's, I, I'm sure it's precautionary, but still, you always, raise an eyebrow when stuff like that happens. Yeah, I asked so, him that specific, like, what about full pads? You're going to be good. He's like, I'm full to go, cleared for everything. I was like, all right. Nope, nope. not what we saw. <laughs> so I guess that's why I'm still a little cautious about all that, but all right. it'll be interesting to see. What, about you? what do you think, Dan? I think, they're, I think they're doing it smart. I mean, you know, he didn't exactly holding back. He hit two interceptions, a pick six, and a, and a bat down yesterday in practice. I mean, he, he basically dominated no, practice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
to be honest, there are times where you look at him and he looks like a big Troy Palomalis. Because he's, you know, close to 6'2". And he just has just terrific ball skill. Uh, but he looks like he's at home. I mean, he looks so far from being a sophomore. It's amazing. I, I can't blame him for saying we just can't take any chances. Let's wait till the, till the season starts and, yeah. uh, and really turn him loose. Because I think Clay made the point that once he got in there last year, he basically played every play until he got hurt. So, uh, so I think that, I think they're being smart. But, uh, I think one of the, the things that's good about the secondary is Chris Steele, you know, you get this real bonus, you know, a kid that looked like he was you know, certainly going to battle for a starting spot at Florida. And he comes here and he's battling, you know, for a starting spot, but it's not like he, he's uh, earned that yet. I mean, there are, you know, four or five guys that look like they're, they're really competing. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, I like that, that four or five deep, uh, you know, corner spot. That looks, uh, that's what you want. You want to have those guys that just pushing, push one another every day to get better and have the offensive, you know, the wide receivers are certainly pushing them. And that was the secret, again, of those teams that got better and better and better under Pete. They pushed one another every day in practice to get better. And I thought they did a good job of that yesterday, even, you know, for the people who uh, want them to practice in full pairs every day. Um, I thought that was a practice where they pushed one another and all the things they did, they got better doing them because they competed. And they competed in all the ways you could compete. Uh, when you're not in full pants and that's what you got to do. So that, and I thought that's what they did. Yeah. I know everyone wrote off yesterday's practice or Monday's practice because of no pads, but Dan and I, we, you know, we've been the ones that were critical, you know, and, and I actually was pretty impressed with how much they were able to do in no pads and the progress they made. It, it looked like they really did make progress. Um, but we have a question from Eric in Duck Country. He says, what does it look like? What does it look like USC's base defense will be? 5-2-4-3-4-2 nickel? Is there still a high, hybrid predator position? Thanks, Eric in Duck Country. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can say, I mean, Clancy, they, it morphs so much between, you know, for example, I was talking to Drake Jackson the other day. I said, you know, they're talking about you might be down inside some. Yeah, that'd be fun, and I'll enjoy doing that, and I'll be going against these slow and athletic guys, and I can use my, you know, they might be 40 pounds heavier, but I can do that. But I said, you know, what's the decision when you're playing defensive end with your hand down or not, your hand on the ground or, or not? And he said, yeah, it's up to me. So for people who want to try to pin down exactly how they're going to line up or, or where they're going to be coming from, I don't think that's really that possible. I mean, yesterday, Greg Johnson hit, hit a couple of really well-timed blitzes. I'm not sure we know where he was coming from, you know, which where he lined up. They're doing some things that, that maybe we haven't seen them do as much because they didn't trust them to everybody be on the same page. But, but so far, it looks like they're all on the same page. And, and part of that is you've got a guy like Jay Tufelli and you've got Christian Rector and Jackson that, that are – Kind of, you know, and Marlin, uh, are, are kind of able to, you know, keep things, uh, as they say, keep the, you know, the run fits, uh, um, sound and, and, and just not get, you know, out of, out of position all that much. So, uh, so I, I think I'm going to just keep watching and seeing what we see, but, uh, it, Clancy's giving you different looks from different, you know, sets almost every play and, and running guys in and out. So again, you know, you could have a five man front and a two man front. I mean, it's just Clancy's, um, there are a lot of different ways you can, uh, you can do things. I think more often than not, they'll have a nickel. Uh, I think that's one thing you can, you can pretty much say, but, uh, but I don't know. I think they're going to play John Houston, not like your typical, uh, you know, Mike linebacker. He's going to be calling the signal. But I think, you know, Palaea might be more doing the things you might expect from, a, you know, a Mike linebacker. I, I think they're, they're kind of gearing the defense to what these players can do, which I always thought was the absolute genius of what Bill Belichick does in, uh, with the Patriots, that they tell you that he takes his players' skills and matches them up against whoever they're playing 
and and puts them in a place where they can maximize their uh, their skill set, and that if you're coaching against him, you don't know until a few series have been run what exactly he's doing. I do think USC kind of is moving more in that direction that, uh, that you know, keep your eyes open because uh, I think they're going to do a lot of different things. Yeah, it's been interesting to see them evolve as fall camp goes on. And according to Chad K, they still haven't installed all of their packages yet. So seeing how that evolves is, is going to be interesting. Um, we have a long question, so bear with me. And Ryan, don't make me laugh. Okay. I won't distract you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, DJ says... The shuffling of quarterbacks is really just the result of not being one of the top-ranked programs in the country or having a winning record. To be fair and eliminate complacency, each season the coaches have to hit the reset button and allow competition to take place on the field. Since the team in the quarterback position underperformed last year, you have to have an open competition at the QB spot and for every spot for that matter. Some guys develop later and some guys peak, so you have to look at each position from an objective standpoint. It's all about putting the best 11 guys on the field. Even if USC made it to a bowl game and JT had a great year, there's no guarantee that he wouldn't regress or the other guys wouldn't progress. Let's just see how it all plays out. I think each QB has some obvious flaws, whether it's the lack of mobility, JT, accuracy, Sears, not going through progressions, Fink, or inexperience, Slovis. And fall camp is designed to see who takes command of the offense the best, who can get them lined up the quickest, who's more accurate, and who makes them the least mistakes and avoids sacks, and who executes the offense best in the red zone. Everyone thinks that JT should automatically be the starter, but I wouldn't crown him or anyone the starter until they've earned it. I'm cautiously optimistic, but taking a wait-and-see approach. Fight on, DJ. Yeah, I, I mean, I, in, in principle, I don't think that's, that's wrong. Um, I do think people... Uh, I thought JT got uh, blamed unfairly for uh, all of the flaws in the offense and in the way they practice. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and not, it wasn't his fault uh, in, in so many ways. I mean, you know, people say, oh, yeah, dear, that like, well, that's because he didn't know where the ball was going to be snapped. He didn't know where the breakdown was going to come on the offensive line. And the patterns were such that he often was thrown into coverage. So, I mean, it was not not an easy. Now, when they got it a little more focused, uh, which took unfortunately until the Notre Dame game, uh, I think he kind of got a sense of of what he could do, and that was it for one week of practice and and not really necessarily uh, an absolute uh, offense that was really clear cut. But uh, but so so I think he brought more into this than maybe you might be underplaying a little bit uh, of where this started out. With all the guys, I think. Uh, improving uh because the offense is, is is so much more understandable uh so much more repeatable so much more focused and everybody's gotten better i think there's no question about it i think uh i think jt was farther ahead than anybody gives him credit for because he was the one that you know had to take the the hits out there but uh i i guess another option another thing you have to think about is how much do you want a quarterback to even think about running in this offense? I mean, what they want is somebody who recognizes, um, you know, what the defense is going to do and is able within two and a half seconds to, to hit that guy who's got some open space. And that's really what they want. Uh, and, the, you know, the fact that you can take off and scramble might not be that much of a plus as some of, you know, people think because, uh, they don't want a quarterback taking off and running. They want him hitting, hitting whoever's open. They want you to see who's ever open and they want you to have the accuracy. When a guy's open, you gotta hit him. You can't, you can't have any, you know, overthrown balls or throw it in the dirt or whatever. If a guy, I mean, the, the whole secret of this offense is they believe you're going to get somebody open virtually every play. You have to be able to get the ball to the guy that's open. So I think that's, you know, that's where, you know, JT has the advantage with the, you know, the quick arm and the ability to deliver on time on target. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, all of them are playing well. All of them are playing to their strengths. That's what this quarterback-friendly offense does is it makes uh, it his uh, the capability of playing to the strengths of the quarterbacks, and it certainly has uh, in fall camp so far. 
We have one final email, and it's from Don. He says, how come Helton cannot say, we will be narrowing down the quarterback competition in 10 days, as Harrell said, rather than Helton's claim of not until 25 practices? I think you guys should be happy Helton's interview time has been drastically cut. Five days of Helton speak would be a bit too much. With Helton as head coach, I don't know what to expect this season. If if Helton has little to say, I expect a very good year nine to ten wins maybe 11 with their talent the more input from helton the fewer wins that's from don uh, i will say this uh clay has been the only uh person available since last wednesday last wednesday was the last time uh, we had somebody besides clay available so uh so we're getting you know i i do think he sounds different uh Taylor and i have talked about you know how how that is and, and why it is and what have you but uh but, you know, at least today we'll get to talk to, to the offensive guys, I guess, uh, and then, uh, and the, yeah, special teams guy. And, uh, also, uh, then tomorrow we get to talk to, uh, to the defensive people. And I think we want to be able to talk to the, uh, the, you know, the, the line coaches in, in both cases and really try to get, uh, as many specifics as we can about the guys up front, uh, and, and what they're seeing because you just can't. <clears throat> differentiate right now from where we are uh in practice uh we're going to be pretty dependent on the coaches and the players themselves talking about where where they think they are but uh but yeah i think uh i think clay clay sounds different i think he's pushing them harder i think he's he's assumed a different role um and you know we'll see you know these results we'll see where where they go but but i think I think most practices, you get the sense that they, they're better at the end of practice than when they started, and they're better at the end of, you know, Monday than they were Saturday, and all, that they're making progress. And that's the thing. Last year, they got stagnant, and, and one practice didn't look like it was better than the next. And uh, uh, that has to happen because it's a long season, and if you can progress some every practice, every week, you can be significantly better by the end of the season and that was always i think the secret and uh and that's what went went haywire last year and and, okay they played better in the Notre Dame game and that was kind of a one-week thing but um but the week before that you couldn't have been any worse so uh uh they've got to progress they've got to you know get it right and i do think clay kind of is looking at it a little differently than he did last year he was trying to figure out plays and add to the offense and, you know, get them to figure it out each, each day of practice. And, and that's not happening. They know what they're doing. They know what they're trying to do. They're trying to do it better every day. That's a big difference. And, and Clay's completely bought into that. So, so I'm, I'm fairly optimistic from that standpoint uh, about where this is going. Yeah, I think to his credit, I think Helton sounds a little bit more measured in what he says. Um, in his post practice availability, I, I, we haven't heard a lot of, I guess, not unnecessary optimism, but things where you just kind of would kind of be like, mm, did he really have to say that? I think he's been, been pretty held back with what he said so far. And I think that's a, a good thing from him. Um, just because I don't think you need to add more fuel to the fire in that sense. Yeah. Not saying the word hopefully very as much uh, or at all. I mean, you don't want to be hoping. You want to be doing it on the practice field. You want to be able to say, we're accomplishing this, or we did that, or we're going to do this, or we know why we're, we're doing that. And, uh, and they're pushing them. I mean, they're, uh, I thought the running at the end of practice, and I was never a big proponent of that because you wanted them to be able to get enough running in practice. I think they're doing a lot of running in practice, but I like it. They don't have any, uh, you know, slackers. I mean, they're doing, you know, the, the, you know, sideline to sideline guesses and their guys are running them. I mean, they're, they look, and that's always a good thing about a team. If the whole team looks like they can move and they, they're going to run together and all of that. I thought that's been a, a real plus in, uh, in doing that at the end of practice. And, uh, I think that's an addition that, that we hadn't, you know, foreseen. And certainly we hadn't seen it almost ever in the past. And it's become a regular thing, and I think they're taking pride in it. And uh, I like I like what I'm seeing. I like like Jay Tafelli just you know blowing away the field. Uh, that's impressive. I like that. All right. Well, I think it's going to wrap it up here on the Peristyle Podcast. 
you know, grab a little lunch, head over to campus and check out some USC football practice. We only got a few left that we can watch. So we got to get over there and absorb it all and take it all in whatever our eyeballs can stomach. And we're going to just take it all in and give you as many notes as we possibly can. So make sure you check it out the site. Um, Instant analysis is always great after practice. Dan's ghost notes. We'll all put up interviews with players. We can actually talk to players today. So we'll put a bunch of stories up uh, from the players and coaches and things like that. Um, the war rooms are on Friday. If you're not a subscriber, make sure you jump in there. You can sign up for a buck for the next 30 days. You'll get the first couple games and stuff all in there. Make sure you try it out. You're going to love the peristyle. All the insiders on there talking about this USC football team. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Especially the first, you know, month and a half of the season. Make sure you get in there, mix it up, check it out. If you've been listening to the podcast and you're not a subscriber, this is a great time to go in there and do it. So, like I said, a buck for a month, or if you want to do an annual subscription, you get thirty percent off for your first year. So it's a great deal. Make sure you go check it out over at uscfootball.com. All right, for Dan Weber and Keely, you are. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcasts, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 